my perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, oh! and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the show. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Happy Martin Luther King Day, such an important day in the history of our country. So we want to make sure that we honor him and remember him today. And of course, a little snow on the ground, uh, I think at least in portions of our listening area. A little surprised with that to see uh, some snow this morning, but uh, we've had bitter cold temperatures. Hopefully everybody is keeping warm. Uh, Definitely going to be a tough week from the winter weather perspective. And when it gets this cold, you never know when we're going to get snow and when we're not. But uh, definitely wintertime for sure as we are through the holidays and uh, getting some of this cold blast here the last few days. And it looks like it's going to continue here for the upcoming week or so. Lots to get to today coming out of the weekend. Indiana, I thought, with a great victory a much-needed victory, not just to beat Minnesota on Friday night, but to play so well and basically to dominate the game. It was a 74-62 win, and it really did not even feel that close at Assembly Hall. Indiana now 12-5 and overall and 4-2 and in the Big Ten Conference. And, of course, I think we all know what is next for this Indiana team. They are set up for a game Tuesday with rival Purdue. Purdue right there at the top of the country in college basketball right now. It's a home game at Assembly Hall. I think anything's possible. I don't know that I would bet Indiana to win the game, but I I think with the home crowd and uh, the students back, they can keep it close. Um, Obviously, Purdue is really good. It's going to be a big challenge for the Hoosiers, uh, especially with what Purdue has on the interior. But Kellel Ware and Mackenzie Mbaco and um, other Front court players for the Hoosiers uh, will need to step up in a very big way and help out. But always fun when Indiana and Purdue connect. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, big one coming up, though, for sure on Tuesday night in Bloomington. So uh, plenty to get to. Glad to have you with us. Uh, let's look at the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few minutes, we'll have our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll flip back to the Friday game with Minnesota and take a look at some things uh, that I thought went really well for the Hoosiers. A little bit on the IU women. What a disappointing result on Saturday night. They were blown away by Iowa. Was not even close. Of course, Caitlin Clark at Iowa, uh, that's uh, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Caitlin Clark, an amazing uh, women's basketball player. I mean, she is just terrific. Uh, but she and the Hawkeyes had their way with Indiana. Yep thought it might be a good game and it wasn't so uh, we'll talk about that also uh, some high school stuff coming out of the weekend 
Really good weekends for Jeffersonville. I thought a really good weekend for New Albany as well. We'll go through some of those results and key performers and uh, a little bit, a uh, few other things as well. Liam McNeely played on ESPN last night. Uh, he, he's fantastic. Looked really good with his Montverde team. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well. Uh, later today, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He'll be with us here in segment two. We'll talk IU Minnesota and we'll start to preview IU and Purdue with Zach when he's with us today. And then in segment three, we'll flip the switch. We'll talk local sports. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member. He'll join us as we go through some of the happenings of the weekend as well. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Try Honey Baked Ham today for a great lunch. They've got wonderful sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily and will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We had a blast with the text line last week. Unfortunately, a lot of it was sharing your frustrations about Mike Woodson uh, after some of those losses before the Minnesota game. But love to keep up that intensity on the text line. Your thoughts on IU, on local stuff that you've been out to, uh, always fired into me, 502-414-1450. And if you're looking for an icy cold refresher, uh, check out Thornton's all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller. 1450 again 502-414-1450 is the text line number all right let's get into our headlines today first a loss for i uh, excuse me a win a big win for indiana on friday night the only thing i can find negative about the game really is it was a friday night game if you've listened to this show when indiana football when indiana basketball play on friday night uh, it interferes with our high school stuff. I think Friday night is a huge night for high school sports in our state. And for years, before all the TV movement started, um, Friday nights was protected for stuff. And I, I think it's appropriate, especially when you're in an area where high school sports really matter. But uh, that's frustrating. It had to bump our high school game to 970. Uh, no big deal there. But j just y you enjoy being able to keep up with it all. And it's hard when it's on top of each other. But Indiana played great. Indiana had great energy right out of the gate, uh, unlike some of the recent games that have resulted in losses for Indiana. And we also saw Mackenzie Mbako's best game as an Indiana Hoosier so far. He looked in that Friday game like a five-star recruit. He looked like the guy that I think we all thought Indiana uh, had gotten when he left Duke, opened his recruitment up, and then committed to Indiana uh, in the offseason. So, he was good. 19 points, a team high for Indiana. He played 34 minutes in the game um, and just was good all the way around. Uh, so he is improving. Uh, Mackenzie Mbako going to be fun to watch his progression as a player, that is for sure. But Indiana needs as much as they can get from him right away also. thought Indiana's rotation was a little shorter as well. 11 minutes, 11 players saw uh, minutes at Rutgers, uh, and then that uh, rotation uh, was down to, I believe, nine players, and eight had double-figure minutes in the uh, Friday game against Minnesota. So 
Um, interesting to see that. Maybe Mike Woodson is listening uh, because that was the big concern from a lot of. I want to mention IU recruit Liam McNeely had quite an effort uh, on Friday on Sunday night. He was uh, named MVP of the game as Montverde, who's number one in the country in most high school basketball polls. They beat number seven ranked prolific prep of California at the big hoop hall classic up at Springfield, uh, Massachusetts, which is the site of the basketball. All right, welcome back. I think we're going to give this another go. Sorry for all the dropouts, but uh, glad to have you with us here on this Monday edition of the program. And we'll give this a go and uh, see how things sound moving forward. Uh, but Liam McNeely last night was talking about him when we disconnected. A great performance for Montvert Academy. And they're a high school program, and McNeely obviously is a key player for them, along with Derek Queen, who's still an IU target. They don't get a lot of challenges, and last night they really got one from Prolific Prep. So it was nice to see McNeely not just have a, a big game against a, an okay opponent, but it was nice to see him actually dominate against a really good high-level team as well. And, of course, Derek Queen, he had a great weekend up at the Hoop Hall event. It's one of the great events on Martin Luther King weekend uh, for high school basketball across the country. Queen continues to be an IU target. I get a lot of questions about him, any movement. No movement, no date set. It just sounds like it's going to be a February decision at this point for Derek Queen. And Indiana is definitely in the running. That's about all we know at this point. So we're on a, a waiting situation for uh, Derek Queen. That is no question about that. IU women uh, last night, or I should say Saturday night, uh, absolutely handled uh, at Iowa. 84-57 was the fi final score. Caitlin Clark just dominated Indiana. She had 30 points, 10 of 21 shooting, uh, and Indiana just could not keep up with her. So Indiana's had an outstanding season, the women have. The one concern is when they've played a really good team, uh, and they've beat good teams, but when they've played a really good team like Iowa, and I believe it was Stanford back in the non-conference portion of the schedule, uh, they, they've suffered some some defeats, and they've not been real close. So uh, they get another chance at Iowa in Bloomington, and that game is going to be sold out. I believe Indiana's already announced. Caitlin Clark has taken the country, the Big Ten, by storm, and obviously Indiana basketball in, in a real uptick as well, no question about that. But um, Caitlin Clark at Iowa, they might be in the middle of a very special season. We'll see if Indiana can get things worked out. Uh, I think Indiana's going to be right there at the top near the top of the Big Ten Conference. But Iowa, with that win and the way they dominated Indiana, uh, I think really showed that they have control of the Big Ten Conference this season. Let's talk a little high school stuff before we head to break and get to our first guest. But uh, Jeffersonville thought a great weekend for the Red Devils. Uh, they came out and basically dominated Floyd Central from the start. I thought Jeff played a very complete game against Floyd Central uh, on Friday night in that rivalry game. Saturday night, much different challenge. Providence coming to Johnson Arena, a home game for the Red Devils. And not, not only is Providence a challenge, but Providence was perfect from the field in the first, first half of play. 
absolutely perfect. Uh, Elijah Fuller-Tucker, Quentin Hesse, uh, both of those guys with big first halves. I think Fuller-Tucker had 16 points in the first half. Didn't do much after that as far as scoring, but Providence with a narrow halftime lead and uh, a great first half, a very efficient first half. Looked like Jeffersonville was in for a war in the second half. Things changed in the third period when Jeff outscored Providence 18-6, to and then they would follow that up with a 16-5 to advantage in the fourth quarter to win 64-45 on Saturday night. Jeff really put Providence away. From about the middle of the third period on, it, it wasn't much of a game. It went from such a great back-and-forth ball game uh, in the first half for sure, maybe the start of the third period, and then once Jeff got control, they really ran off with the game on Saturday night. Very balanced scoring for Jeffersonville. Uh, lots of guys in double figures. Michael Cooper had 14 points. Anthony Fresh, who until the Floyd Central game on Friday, we hadn't seen a lot for the Red Devils. Uh, he came in with some very key moments off the bench. He had 12 points and got a lot of minutes in the game on Saturday night. P.J. Douglas was outstanding this weekend for Jeff, doing so many different things. He was our star of the game against Floyd Central on Friday night, came back with 12 points on Saturday. Sean Boyd, 11 points. Trey Singleton had nine. So very, very much balanced for the Red Devils offensively, who are now nine and six on the season. For Providence, remember I said Elijah Fuller-Tucker had 16 in the first half, and he finished with 16 points. Noah Lovin had 16 for Jefferson or for Providence as well. And then Quentin Hesse, who had a great first half, he finished with 11 points in double figures for the Providence Pioneers. And outside of those three guys in double figures, one player off the bench had two points. So four points, four scores for Providence in that Saturday night game. The Pioneers with the loss now 10-3 and on the season. Still having an outstanding go of it, but uh, Providence has struggled against Indianapolis Cathedral and now Jeffersonville here so far in some of these big games on their schedule. Also, New Albany had an outstanding weekend as well. The Bulldogs uh, hammered Charlestown on Friday night. Uh, also came back Saturday. It was really interesting to see uh, how things went. Uh, New Albany, fast tempo under Coach Jason Jones. Scottsburg can get up and down as well. And uh, a very interesting matchup, I thought, between the Bulldogs and Warriors, who are both having really good seasons. New Albany, I don't want to say dominated the game, but they had a very comfortable lead and would go on to hold off the Warriors and win by 10 points at 77-67. But great weekend for Chris Lampkins. He exploded for, I think it was 28 points Friday night against Charlestown. He came back with 18 points on Saturday night against Scottsburg. Ryland Shrink has been really good for the Bulldogs here recently. He had 17 points in that win over Scottsburg on Saturday nights. Uh, and also a lot of players in double figures. Trevon Red, 15. Jordan Treat, 13. Uh, you know, it's a, a success for uh, a recipe for success when you can put multiple guys, a handful of guys in double figures. You're not going to see many teams get beat uh, in high school basketball, but a really good weekend for New Albany as well. Curious about New Albany Silver Creek on Friday night. Think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I would give my early tip of the hat to the Bulldogs with how they have been playing, uh, but that should be a fun one coming up on Friday as well as far as 
high school basketball is concerned. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'll head to a break. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is next. We will talk the latest with IU. Get you ready for the IU-Purdue game on Tuesday night as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Indiana not only won the home game, but they, for the most part, took control of the game and were able to deck Minnesota handily. Uh, a, a welcome sign based on maybe some of the previous games and losses before that one. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I thought this game um, was going to be a little bit tricky for Indiana. Minnesota came in on a seven-game win streak. Um, I don't think they're world beaters, but you know they, they did some things offensively. I thought would give Indiana some trouble. Um, and really, you know, if anything else, if nothing else, I should say, I thought Minnesota kind of got to come into this game, you know, playing without any real sort of pressure or fear. You know, if Indiana lost, if, if Minnesota lost, it wasn't going to feel like the end of the world. Um, and for Indiana to just kind of back foot Minnesota the way it did early in the I mean, I think it was 25 to eight. And, you know, both Elijah Hawkins and Dawson Garcia picked up really early foul trouble, which, you know, it probably colors a bit the game, but that happens because Indiana is so aggressive, so downhill, so attacking offensively. Um, you know, if you actually look at it overall, Minnesota committed 22 personal fouls, which is a high-ish number for them. Um, and, you know, really, it just everything about kind of those opening six, seven, eight minutes set the tone for the game. And yeah, the, the final score is probably a little closer than what the game reflected. Um, but the, the reality is, you know, this was, this was very much Indiana's game start to finish. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star with us. Let's go ahead and look ahead to tomorrow, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, a, big game against Purdue. It's a rival game and one of the more meaningful games on the schedule each season for Indiana. Purdue has been generally really good this season. They're, they've had a couple slip-ups. I guess the one slip-up, Zach, for the Boilermakers that really surprised me was Nebraska. We just got to see Indiana-Nebraska battle a few days before Nebraska upset number one Purdue. That, that did surprise me a little bit, but other than that, it's been a really good non-conference season and a really good start to Big Ten play for the Boilermakers. Yeah, I mean, they, I would argue they look even better than they did a year ago, and I know that Obviously, the, the, the NCAA tournament goes the way that it goes, but I don't think that changes what Indiana, or excuse me, uh, what Purdue was across the course of last season. And, you know, obviously they've already beaten, you know, Gonzaga, they've already beaten Tennessee, Marquette, Alabama, Arizona. Um, they're, you know, they're four and two in the Big Ten, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit. I think the one, the one consistent thread you know, against this Purdue team is can you score the basketball? And and that's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world statistically in the, you know, the, the broadest brush kind of way. Um, Purdue is, is, you know, 22nd in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. It's worth saying um, they're ninth in the Big Ten, in, and this is per Ken Pomeroy, in adjusted efficiency they're allowing 1.096 points per possession uh, in, in Big Ten games. And, and, like, you know, some of this is always going to be a function of who you play and when you play them. But for comparison's sake, Indiana's actually first in the Big Ten in Big Ten games alone in um, adjusted efficiency. So, you know, it, it, it's 
Purdue may not have seen a team that's playing as well defensively in some respects as Indiana is, and I know that even accounts for the Nebraska loss, uh, the 86 points allowed at Nebraska. Um, but Indiana probably has also not, against high major competition anyway, scored the basketball at the level that the two teams that have beaten Purdue this season have been able were able to do. When you go back to Northwestern, you know, it's an overtime game, but still that's 92 points in a game. And then obviously Nebraska – wins 88 to 72 you know Purdue is is maybe something a little bit less than whole defensively right now they don't force a lot of turnovers um you know they they they're they're getting hurt behind the three-point line we'll see if that's something Indiana can can gear up they probably kind of need to um but you know if Indiana's going to hang in this game Indiana's probably going to have to score at a rate that quite frankly it hasn't consistently against its high major opposition this year. Zach, uh, here on this Martin Luther King Day, uh, Coach Woodson, as he normally does, met with the media in advance of the game on, on earlier this morning. I didn't get a chance to tune in any anything good from him any as he previewed Purdue and took questions on Purdue. Anything he said that caught your attention? Well, I think there's a, a few things. I mean, um, you know, I think he's right to point out, you know, one of the big differences with Purdue is they're shooting the ball so much better from three. You know, last year as a team, you know, they were about 32.2% from three. Um, they were actually better than that in Big Ten play. But, you know, it, it it always felt like one of the things that maybe held Purdue back from really capitalizing on Zach Eady's strength the way that they wanted to was that they just couldn't space the, the floor and shoot the ball well. And if, if you go back to – you know those. I mean, they, they were six of eighteen against Indiana in the um, in the loss in Bloomington. Um, they were five of twenty-three from three in the loss in uh, West Lafayette, and they were five of twenty-six from three in the NCAA tournament loss. This Purdue team is outstanding shooting the three. They're shooting almost forty percent from behind the three-point line. That number has not dipped. They've only lost half a percentage point in Big Ten games alone. Um, and we're deep enough, I think it's fair to say, into the conference schedule to stop talking about small sample sizes, even as they've hit the conference, even as they've, you know, kind of gotten into a place where maybe the, you know, the, the game-to-game competitive level is a little higher, that they're not really waning in terms of shooting the three. And if you look around, Braden Smith, uh, Lance Jones here and there, you know, certainly Fletcher Lawyer, Miles Colvin, Mason Gillis, like they've just, they've got a lot of guys that can hurt you. Even guys like Cameron Hyde and Trey, Trey Kaufman Wren won't take a ton of them, but if they're wide open, you know, Kaufman Wren 7 of 15, Hyde is 11 of 20, you know, it's, it's, it's as often as not that shot's going in. So there's that. I think there's also, you know, because of that shooting, this is what Woodson kind of said today, is because of that shooting, they've been able to make some of the two big lineups that they'll play from time to time work more effectively. And they'll play a lot of Mason Gillis at the four, but we have seen them, you know, Trey Kaufman Wren um, obviously is, is, you know, kind of really been an impact player for them this season. He's been a starter pretty much all year. Um, they, they've still got Caleb first, though it seems like they play first a little bit more at the five to kind of spell Edie than they do at the four. The point is they can make those two big lineups work, and that's relevant because Purdue, even if we're just narrowing it down to Big Ten games, they are rebounding 40.5% of opponents' misses, which is a, a huge weakness for Indiana. Um, Indiana, you know, has really, really struggled on the offensive glass. And 
Purdue already being a better rebounding team and then going a little bit bigger and then still being able to space the floor well is obviously going to present some, some challenges for Indiana. I think the big question sort of a I have is when you talk about some of Purdue's struggles defensively, and they haven't been terrible defensively, let's be really clear, but, you know, they allowed 1.05 points per possession to Penn State. I mean, Penn State had 36 points in the first half of that game. Um, obviously, they allowed the 88 points to Nebraska. They allowed 78 to Illinois in a game that it looked like they were in complete control of, and Illinois kind of made a furious late late rally. This might be a game where, again, we talked about Indiana needing to score the ball at a, at a certain rate. It would really help Indiana if some of those shots went in so that there aren't – Indiana doesn't have to worry about second chances because Purdue doesn't really allow second chances, and Indiana's already going to have to put a lot of work in at the defensive end to, to, to not get hurt badly on the offensive glass against a team that's really good at it. Um, you know, I, I just come back to – I wish it was – I wish I had more more insight than this, but it really does feel like it's to some extent as simple as Indiana's got to see some shots to win. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, uh, looking ahead to Tuesday night's Indiana-Purdue game, which, Zach, I do want to mention as a reminder to listeners, is on Peacock. And I guess maybe Indiana fans can, uh, and Big Ten fans in general, can can get off the Peacock uh, negativity a little bit because there was a major NFL playoff game on Peacock over the weekend. I think this is just part of the new world of television rights and streaming and and all that stuff put together that we're going to be seeing stuff like this from now on with professional and college sports. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I think that's. I mean, I think that's fair. Listen, I, you know, obviously as a soccer fan, I've been I've been subscribed to Peacock for years now, and um, you know, their soccer works has been really impressive. I've I've been trading off the road trips with Mike Nizelik, my sort of beat counterpart at the Herald Times. So I've watched a couple of these games on Peacock, and I thought that. You know, the studio shows, the graphics, all that kind of stuff was was perfectly fine. I know sometimes people like to to get on his back, but I actually think Stephen Bardo is a pretty good color commentator. He's done a lot of Big Ten work for Peacock. I mean, this this is number one. You're right. This is the um, the the sort of way forward. Number two, it's kind of one of those things, and and I don't mean to be craven, but this is just to use Indiana as a recent example. You know, Indiana fans wanted. To, to fire Tom Allen, to hire a new football coach, to give that football coach a whole bunch of money to go out and hire a good staff and NIL and yada, yada, yada. Well, one of the ways you pay for this stuff is, is by building, you know, relationships with media partners that may say, hey, we would like to push some of these games to streaming because we'd like to see a little bit more traffic, a little bit more subscription, a little bit more, you know, sort of energy over on our streaming platform. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, if if I could break it out for you and say, yeah, okay, you know, you have to go subscribe to Peacock, but Indiana gets, I don't know, an extra $7 million a year because Peacock is part of NBC's profile within the larger Big Ten media rights package. I suspect people would maybe be a little bit, you know, less bothered by Peacock. And I don't know that we can put a, you know, a hard and fast figure. I don't, maybe there's an NBA executive, that, or NBA, an NBC executive that could sit here and say, you know, this is exactly how much added value goes into the media rights package because the Big Ten allowed us to push some of this to Peacock. Um, but again, as you said, I think it's just the it's it's the way forward now, at least for the foreseeable future. And and it's worth remembering that when you, as a fan or or a, an AD or whoever, you sort of celebrate seeing that big dollar sign next to your your TV rights deal. 
you know, sometimes there are trade-offs and, and exchanges, and this can be one of them. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach got about a minute left. I'm curious, McKenzie Mbako thought he had an outstanding game, definitely his best game as a Hoosier so far. Indiana's got to have that type of performance from him definitely more often, and a big opportunity for him to do something on a big stage would be uh, to have a breakout like that Tuesday night against Purdue. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you know, quietly, I think Mbako has, has gotten a lot better recently. I know he had, you know, kind of a, a rough game. Was it, uh, was it Ohio State where, yeah, he only had five points against Ohio State and he only played 13 minutes. But if you look at basically kind of since, the Louisville game, you know, he had 18 points against Harvard. That was a, uh, that started to run the only two games he hasn't scored in double figures. And since then were Nebraska and Ohio state. Um, I think Indiana's leaned into him a little bit more. I think he's rebounding the ball a lot better. You know, I mean, if you look at his, his three point shooting percentage, I know it's only on only 22 attempts, but 22 attempts over six games is what, you know, roughly three and a half attempts a game. And he's shooting 45.5% on threes. Uh, in Big Ten play, uh, he's getting fouled more, which I think is probably a, um, a a good reflection of kind of his aggressiveness and his comfort when he's getting downhill, he's getting around the rim. I thought Ryan Carraza, to, to shout out an old friend over at Inside the Hall, made a really good point or a really good observation that Indiana put the ball in Mbako's hands more in ball screen actions and let him basically – initiate the offense and, and look for whether it's a, a, you know, a, a three, a drive to the rim, whatever, let him be a little bit less floating off the ball and a little bit more attacking on the ball. I think he's been better. Um, you know, again, if you look at his conference only numbers, they're almost across the board better than his, um, better than his, his as good as, or better than I should say his season long numbers, but the only one that Mike Woodson probably would like to see come up and he mentioned this, Today is the rebounding number, which I think Mbako can continue to improve on. But I think it's clear he's getting more comfortable figuring out where his offense is. His teammates are getting more comfortable figuring out how to get him involved. And I think it's probably fair to say he's gotten a little better defensively and Mike Woodson is, is giving him a little bit longer leash in terms of kind of giving Mbako more, uh, essentially running more for him offensively, being more intentional by getting him shots. And it's making a difference. And, yes, it would be – it will be, for better or worse, a major factor in deciding Tuesday's game. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Great to catch up with you, Zach, and thanks for the insight. We'll talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director and IHSA Executive Board member. Lots of good high school hoops coming out of the weekend to discuss. We'll do that more next with Chad right here on the Hoosier Report. On the Big X Sports Radio. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back here on our Monday program, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director and IHSA Executive Board member. He's always with us Mondays. We talk local sports, putting the highlight on all things here in Southern Indiana. And uh, Chad, I know there's lots of big basketball things to talk about, and, and we'll get to them, but 
I wanted to spend a minute, if you're comfortable with it, talking about uh, a loss of Coach Jerry Jones, longtime Louisville assistant coach for Denny Crum, but uh, he was a big part of you in basketball. He was a big part of the Jeff Girls team and the state championship that you guys shared together, and uh, he's been ill and not feeling well and passed away late last week, and I know that you and many others that knew him so very well have been dealing with that, but wanted to spend a moment uh, remembering him uh, here on the show today. Man, I appreciate you starting off the show like that. Ironically, Miss Amy and I are heading down to the uh, services right now, and Matt, you want to talk about something cool. Uh, when you when you think about Coach Jones and everything that's involved with him, his daughter's uh, Nan Kathy. Jerry, they, they asked me to speak today, and it's something that, you know, those, those things aren't easy to do. But you want to talk about an honor when you're up there sharing, you know, stories about someone who meant so much to you. You're sharing him with uh, Bill Olson. You're sharing him with uh, Scotty Davenport. The, the uh, pastor today is Billy Thompson. You know, you think about Billy Thompson played for the Lakers, you know, a, a star at Louisville, and he's going to be the one that uh, leads the services today. That, that's pretty special. But Coach Jones, uh, you know, when, when you think about him, you know, my relationship dates farther back than the Jeff days. When And this just talks about the kind of person Coach Jones is. When I was a kid, uh, Coach Dunn was the coach at Charlestown. Coach Cundiff was his JV coach. Um, and they'd always work L camps in the summer. And so they worked out a deal where Louisville would come over to Charlestown High School and they would do their inter-squad scrimmage every year. And you want to talk about a sold-out event. I mean, there was a lot of money to be made that night and a lot of whiskey bottles underneath the bleachers. That place was packed, <laughs> and it was rocking. But those guys, Coach Cunniff, Coach Dunn, were friends with my dad, so they'd always let me go back in the locker room and see those guys for the game, which led to going to UFL camps, which led to being a fan, which led to his granddaughter. You know, when, when I was a senior in high school, Coach Jones offered me a scholarship to UFL. And I'd ask him later on in life, I said, did I make the right move, Coach, not coming there? He said, you know, your career, you, you, you had a great career. He said, what you did is uh, outstanding. He said, over here, I'm not saying that wouldn't have been, but we're not dummies. We tried to recruit kids locally in southern Indiana and Louisville area to keep interest in our program. Now, how smart is that, Matt? You, and we've talked about that before in the show, that when you have local – kids, when you have Indiana kids on Indiana teams, local Kentucky kids on Kentucky teams, there just seems to be more interest. And it wouldn't surprise me if Coach Jones, Coach Crum, they weren't the, the guy who the guys who saw that up front. But, you know, for him to do that, then in college I was able to come back and he let me go over to UofL and work out with the guys. Um, and then for him to be part of the program, you know, it just started in a summer day. You know, I had actually had his granddaughter Morgan in class and she said, uh, Popsy said hello. And so that kind of said, you know, how, how's Popsy doing? Well, he was subbing at Henryville and doing some things like that. So we kind of got together, touched based a little bit. Then one summer, you know, I was tired of playing against Danny Brown in the high post offense. You know, Danny played at UofL. And I asked Robbie, I said, uh, V, can you get Coach Jones in the gym? So it's a River Valley summer morning in June. And he says, I'm just going to be the cameo coach. I'm going to come in. Seven years later, he's helping me at Charlestown. I mean, and you want to talk about someone who's detailed, loyal, a mentor, someone that, you know, just a wealth of knowledge. Every day was a clinic. That was Coach Jones, and there couldn't be a nicer man, whether it was with basketball or just being a person, 
respectful. And, and you think about this, Matt. Uh, Coach Jones, have you ever heard anyone call him Jerry Jones? It's always Coach Jones. That's because Coach Jones did not demand respect, Matt. He earned respect by the way he treated other people, by the way he approached the game, by the way he, he talked. Just an outstanding person and a tough, tough loss for basketball and Louisville and Southern Indiana. Man. It will truly be missed, but it was just a pleasure to have be able to spend time with Coach Jones. I was extremely blessed, Matt. Yeah, great stuff. Chad Gilbert with us uh, and uh, special man. I think the times that I met him, at least later on here, uh, were always when you were around or maybe at Charlestown. He was there for a game. Uh, so, yeah, it was really neat to get to talk to him. And, uh, boy, what a wealth of knowledge. But neat to have you share that and our thoughts and prayers to his daughters and his family and all of his players that uh, are mourning and will be there today for the services. Chad, let's talk a little bit as we wrap up today coming out of the weekend. Some big results from over the weekend. I tell you what, Jeffersonville with wins over rivals Floyd Central and then a great second half to put Providence away Saturday night. And New Albany, they played your Pirates on Friday, got a victory there, and then uh, beat a solid Silver Creek team on Saturday night. I thought the Bulldogs and the Red, Red Devils had great weekends. Matt, real quick, just to touch on Coach Jones to wrap it up. Coach Jones is an Indiana native. He's from the region, Merrillville High School. I don't know if a lot of people know that. And he thought the world of you. He's all about promoting your program, and he loves how you promote Southern Indiana sports. But talking about uh, the weekend, I think Jeffersonville has really done a great job this weekend of kind of taking the lead, if you like, you know, if you if you want to call it that, going into the sectional time. It's almost like the Kentucky Derby setting the odds. I think Jeffersonville had a great weekend, and they're kind of setting the bar of where you need to be. We've talked about that Seymour sectional, Matt, and we know it's going to tough, but you know, I just don't see anyone touching the Devils. New Albany, though, you know, what kind of outstanding years the Bulldogs have. My gosh, they're knocking at the door. Seymour, Bedford, that's going to be an outstanding sectional. But I think this weekend really uh, set Jeffersonville apart from everyone else in Southern Indiana at this point. I agree. Chad Gilbert with us. Chad, I know you got to go. Thanks for coming on with us, sharing those memories, and uh, we'll keep you in our thoughts today and talk with you next week. Matt, I appreciate it, and I appreciate everything you do for Southern Indiana sports. Thank you very much. Chad Gilbert with us Monday to wrap up our show. Yeah, mentioned Bob Lane last week, a local name that everybody knew from his time at IUS and parks and affordable housing in New Albany. Just so many things lost him a week ago Friday. His funeral was last Friday and uh, Coach Jones passing away last week as well. That was maybe a little bit more expected. He had not been well but always enjoyed bumping into both of those guys and always enjoyed seeing Coach Jones out at a game and uh, picking his brain and listening to some of his memories. And so uh, we uh, definitely will miss him, no question about that. And I say this a lot, but we've lost some really good figures in sports here in southern Indiana over the last number of years. There's uh, no question about that. But have a great Monday. A uh, little cold out there. Stay inside if you can. Uh, going to be cold this week, so monitor that. Be careful. Hopefully no major snow events coming this week. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk all about Indiana-Purdue. Get you set for uh, the great rivalry game. So stay with us tomorrow for that at 11 a.m. here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>